Hey, sexy lady. No, we're not singing on this podcast anymore. I'm pretty sure that only applies to the Canadians. No, you've been strictly banned. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. We've had, I was going to say we've had better weeks, but we've actually had quite a good week, marred only by the tail end of this week. Yeah, yesterday wasn't awesome. Well, the last two days, but. Yeah, your back went out. Yes. And I got sick. Yes. And we had a snow day, so the kids were home. Yes. But the good thing about me being sick is my voice sounds awesome right now. Husky. I could lower it. Like I, this. I actually can. This Don't is as do low it. as it goes. <laughs> it's my Mark Dubon impersonation. Very nice. There's the glory. There it is. You know, yeah. he probably knows I just said that. Probably. Yeah. Um, let's talk about happy things of this week. Okay. Paleo donuts. Paleo donuts. And like all great inventions, it was derived from great need. It was. See, Stephanie and Isaac Meek went on vacation. How dare they? Right. And to left Nashville. Donutless. <laughs> well, what actually happened was Cindy was craving donuts. The thing I love about Cindy is, there's many things I love about Cindy, but one is her absolute passion and excitement about whatever food that you are thinking of creating. <laughs> I think she's passionate and excited about just about everything. Yeah, she is the swing vote for everything yeah. in life. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So she went looking for donuts, couldn't find donuts because, of course, the Meeks are on vacation. And she texted me her dilemma, at which point I said, if you find a donut pan, I will make you donuts. Just like that. I said it, and then I realized I'd never made donuts before. Well, that's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But what's on our way from Amazon right now? <laughs> donut pans. <laughs> but she found mini donut pans. So right. I made mini donuts from the Against All Grain cookbook. And so there's no flour in them. None. And there's no dairy. Nope. And so what is it I'm eating when I put those delicious morsels in my mouth? Um, almond flour, Ugh. coconut flour, Ugh. eggs. Mm. Uh, pureed pumpkin, uh, honey, mm. honey. You ate a whole bunch of them, oh, so you I'm, can't say bleh. No, no, no. After what anyone. I'm saying is the individual ingredients. No one sits down and goes, "You know what I could do with this? A bowl of almond flour." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody thinks that they turned out great, though. No, 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 no. You keep interrupting the point okay, in front of me. Okay. The point is, yes, they're absolutely delightful. Mm -hmm. My bleh face is. How does a mixture of bleh turn into something awesome? That was my point. <laughs> Skills. It skills that pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't actually. We should start selling them. No. Let's start a paleo donut turf war with the Meeks. <laughs> no. I I like their donuts much better than what I created. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, mine will pass battles. until they get back. Right. Yep. You know what else I've got addicted to? What? You know how everybody's like, man, I need my coffee, I need my coffee. And not being a coffee drinker, I've never had that problem. But you took me to Franklin Juice a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. and introduced me to acai bowls. Yep. Now, I'm not even sure I'm saying acai right. I don't know. But it's that berry from Brazil. Yep. And so it's basically... Goodness. Yeah, it's just frozen acai berries blended with, with, stuff in with it. whatever you want in it. Mm -hmm. And so I have the Julio, named after Julio, which has got, I don't know, bananas, and apparently it's the most traditional Brazilian acai bowl. Oh. My point is, you introduced me to it on whatever day of the week it was, yes. and that's all I was craving this week. I know. So I'm now scheduling all my meetings at, at Franklin Juice. I yeah. know. I totally, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So yes, that was a great start to the week. And end of the week, we had a acai bowl yesterday. 
We did. Um, I don't want to press you, okay. but I want to briefly mention Champions Road. Who? <laughs> the wee level I've been playing. If that's what it's called? Yeah. Champions, Champions. Road? <laughs> okay, hold it this name for a second. <laughs> Okay. I just wanted. I didn't know Wait. there was a name for my torture. <laughs> okay. It's called Champions Road. <laughs> You're spilling valuable airtime. Okay. Shh. Shh. <laughs> okay. I don't want to torture you, but I do want to briefly mention Champions Road. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because it is my mission at the moment. Well, that's very sad. Do you want to tell the people what Champions Road is? No. Oh, come on. I want them to hear it in your words of honor. It is the most obnoxious game ever <laughs> that never ends. It's the never-ending Mario 3D World game. No. Well, yes. Yes. So what happens is when you finish Mario, Super Mario 3D World on Which the Nintendo Which was the mission. Wii, I just got to finish this, babe. I'm going to have the whole game finished. Right. As soon as you do, it opens up a whole new game. Uh, no, no, no. And it, then it does it again. That's And true. it's like, oh. And oh, then it did it a third time. I had time. no idea this would happen. No, no. I knew. <laughs> I knew it would happen. <laughs> okay. It's not driving a wedge in our marriage at all. Mm -hmm. But you're right. You finish the game and it rewards you with a whole new world that's fairly complex. You finish that, you're rewarded with yet another world, which, strange enough, isn't as complex, but a lot of fun. And then it opens up to a third world, which is just fiendishly hard. It is impossibly difficult. There's only three. That's how they advertise it. There's only fiendishly three. hard. <laughs> Sorry. There's only three levels in this world, and mm -hmm. all of them are just ridiculously taxing. And I've beaten two of them, and the last one I've got to beat is called Champions Road. Uh, and your average game lasts, what, seven seconds? If that. And so, how many hours did I spend play playing yesterday? Five. And you were so gracious, you didn't no. complain at all. Mm -mm. <laughs> you were... You I were. was plotting the Wii's demise. I was like, I wonder if I threw it out of my window if it would survive or if I'd have to take it someplace higher. The trouble is it just suits my personality type perfectly. It does? Well, because it's wonderfully executed. I mean, there's just excellence all over it. And it's inherently addictive, which I think is the reason I don't drink coffee. I thought it was because you don't like the taste. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I'm trying desperately to finish this game so you can be put out of your misery. Does that mean I can throw it out after no, you've finished it? No, because then oh. the girls will want to finish it. Oh, dear. It's never ending. Speaking of the girls. Ta-da! <laughs> our first special Spoiler guest. Spoiler alert. <laughs> is none other than, what's your name? Tia. And Tia, how old are you? Five. <laughs> Tia, what do you do for a job? Be a children. You, you're a child, are you? And who's your mummy and daddy? AJ Jones and Daddy. <laughs> and if you had to pick, which one's your favorite, Mommy or Daddy? Both. No, good, no, no. Good answer. Good answer, darling. <laughs> But seriously, who's your favorite daddy out of the two of them? Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite thing about being five? Being able to play. Yeah, you love to play. <laughs> Tell me, what's your favorite thing about Mommy? Kissing and hugging. Kissing and hugging. What's your favorite thing about your daddy? Kissing and hugging. And who's honestly the better kisser, mummy or daddy? Uh, I think daddy, but the best hugger I think mummy. That's oh, right. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. Daddy's a good kisser, mummy's a good hugger. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. I am an expert gadler. Um, I have a few questions for you. What does daddy do for work? 
Be a teacher. Be a teacher. Okay, what does mommy do for work? Be a teacher. Okay. <laughs> and they have to be a mommy and dad. And they also be a mommy and daddy. That's right. Um, who Do you have a best friend? Uh, a lot. You have a lot of best friends? Yeah, about oh. a thousand. Oh, wow. You're very popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think heaven looks like? The same as a, as in the same places as here. Oh, well, that's interesting. What is your favorite day of the week? Uh, my birthday. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the things that Daddy loves about Mummy? Uh, kissing her. Oh, that's on the for sure. Lips. Oh, I love kissing your mummy on the lips. Now, why do you think that? Because I see you kiss a lot. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say some names, and I want you to tell you. I want you to tell me what you think of when I say these names. You ready? Yes. Okay, Jessie. Uh, I love her. Yes, you do. <laughs> what about Ryan and Katie? They love me. That's right. What about Gary and Sarah? Uh, they love kissing. Name some of your babysitters that you loved to come Cindy, and play with you. Cindy, Jesse, um, Sarah. Sarah, that's right. Mom and Daddy. Mom and Daddy. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Thank you and goodbye. We have a special guest. Another special guest. Could you introduce yourself, please? My name is Abigail Jones. And Abigail, what do you do for a job? I don't have a job. Wait, what? <laughs> That's probably why she hasn't been paying rent. You don't pay rent? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Are you married then? No. You're not. <laughs> I have kids, we're going to say. <laughs> You are a kid. And can you tell me, who are your mommy and daddy? Uh, Alan and they, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what they do for a living? What's their job? Uh, no, I don't know what they do. <laughs> you don't know what mommy or daddy do for a no. job? Do you want to guess what we do? Yeah. Okay, well, this is a hard time for you to actually find out, but your mother and father are actually top secret ninjas. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you guys aren't. No, we totally are. <laughs> We're disguised as church pastors, but actually we're secret agents. No, you guys aren't pastors. How do you know that we're not secret agents? Because I I know you go to church every Monday and Tuesday. That you're confused because underneath (laughs) the church is a top secret lair, and that's actually where we work, in a secret underground bunker. Yeah, like I think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I got some questions for you. How do you know that Daddy loves Mummy? Because you kiss him, her. <laughs> How do you know that Mummy loves me? Because she kisses you. <laughs> mm, kissing the universal sign of love. There you go. What do you think heaven is like? Uh, I know what it looks like. Oh, what does it look like? It is, it it it's all gold with jewels on the walls. Oh, big jewels, and and there's. E- there's even colors that people don't know. Wow. How do you know that? Because Pastor Marty read it. <laughs> okay. There you go. What's your favorite Bible verse? Do you have a favorite uh, Bible verse? Yeah. Which one? 
I don't know what it's called. Okay. It's about King Solomon. Uh, he almost cut the baby in half. Oh, that that's, that's your favorite verse where <laughs> King Solomon only cuts, almost cuts the baby in half. That was one of my favorite verses um, when I was a, when I was growing up. Oh, was it really? Yeah. So she gets it from you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I like that. Daddy's going to tell you a list of names. And you're just supposed to say the first word, or the first thing that you think of when he says the names. Okay. okay. Cindy. Nice. Ryan and Katie. Kind. Um, Uncle Gary and Auntie Sarah. Nice. <laughs> Basically. Is there anything you want to say to our listeners before you leave? Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you're so welcome. You're Daddy. so welcome. You did an awesome job. Well done. So we have Paleo Donuts, we have Champions Road. So all in all, uh, I don't know, the good and the bad kind of equaled themselves out and we had an okay week? Yeah, we did. Yeah. I finished um, Downton Abbey. Well, that's what happens when you have a back injury. Yes, that's correct. (laughs) You get stuck lying in bed for an evening and you finish the TV you haven't watched. All right, our topic for this week. Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to talk about our salvation story. Of how we got saved. Okay. Talk to me about how you got saved. Um, I got saved, I think, because my cousin didn't stop praying for me every, every single night for years and years and years. But basically what happened was I was about 15 and uh, my evangelist Baptist cousin invited me to a youth retreat. And so I headed off to the youth retreat and I wasn't really going for the right reasons, um, but I has I was told that there would be cute boys there and you know fun to be had with snow and such, which is the essential components of a testimony. Yes, yeah. of course, cute, cute boys, boys and, and snow. snow. Yeah. Um, and so uh, anyway, I went to this youth retreat, and I think everyone else there was saved except for me. I think I was the only heathen present. Uh, because they all knew the songs and such. And so anyway, went the first night and the guy get up, got up and spoke. And he was one of these really sort of demonstrative, obnoxious youth speakers. And, uh, I remember him saying, what am I? I have four legs. I stay in families. I have a soft back. I'm a cherished possession. He said a few other things I still can't remember. And I remember thinking, dude, you're totally a dog. Like you're, you're a dog and we're not kids here. Let's move on. You know, I was sort of kind of aggravated. I knew snacks came right after the service and then we get to go out in the snow. And so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't very happy with him and his rhetoric. And uh, anyway, so he was saying such things. And then he put up this overhead of a chair. Now, do you know what an overhead is? An overhead is the cost of doing business? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but in this case, an overhead was a thin piece of plastic that we used to be able to draw things on or print onto that we would shine up onto the side of the wall. It's like an analog version of Keynote. A very analog version of Keynote. Okay. Very true. And so he put up this chair, and I remember thinking, you're a chair? I don't understand. And he went on to explain that you can know everything about something and still miss what it is. 
you know, because he could use the same descriptors of a chair as he could have of a dog. And I remember thinking like what what it did for me was I always kind of grew up thinking I was a Christian. I don't know why, other than I grew up in Canada and I wasn't a Muslim or Hindu, so I therefore was a Christian, if that makes sense. Right. And we celebrated Christmas and Easter by having Easter eggs and giving presents at Christmas. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, no, I'm a Christian. And I had no idea it was about a relationship with God or anything. Anyway, he so when he said that, it sort of got my attention because I was like, "Uh, what is he talking about? And he spent the rest of the time that he was speaking talking about the love of God. And I remember for the first time that I can remember when I was 15 thinking, if what he's saying is true, then somebody loves me. I mean, not my brother or sister more and not, you know, but somebody actually just loves me. And if that's true, it changes everything. So uh, I got anxious that he was talking too long because I, I, I wanted to sign on the dotted line as it were like i was mm-hmm. like okay dude like they all knew the songs they all get it you know they all came from their shiny happy baptist churches and i need to do this now and he kept talking and talking and so eventually i just pushed past all these little people in the row and ran up to the front and i knelt down and started crying and i gave my life to the lord like he had to stop speaking to lead me to the lord because i was kind of loud you realize, aside from the awesomeness of your life being given to Christ, mm. you probably made that young man's weekend. Oh, oh yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's every preacher's dream to be interrupted while you're preaching because people want to respond to the message you've not yet finished. Right. Yeah, it was really cool. I remember though, at the end, I was marching back and forth across the back of the room. I have no idea why I was doing that. But I'm pretty sure that wasn't the uh, Baptist thing to do at the time. <laughs> You're probably all scared at this point. Yeah, they're probably like, wow, I think she's had a psychotic break. <laughs> I love when you tell that story. I mean, I love it for so many reasons. Like, one, it's an absolute brilliant presentation of why you need the gospel. Mm. You know, especially for, like you say, you know, somebody who grew up thinking they were a Christian because they grew up in a Christian nation. Yeah. Like, it, it's such a powerful picture. But two, I love how you tell it because it's how you found the love of God. And three, I just, I love it because it's how you got saved. Yeah. But your uh, your salvation experience sounds fuller than my understanding of my salvation experience. Like, I got saved when I was seven. I think, I don't even remember when it was. Right. I have this nominal age of seven. Right. But I think, I mean, I grew up in the church. I grew up in an evangelical home. Like, you know, I, I knew all about God. And I think it was just like the obvious thing to do. Like, well, duh, two plus two equals four, of course. Right. But it's harder to tell what you were saved from. Right. That's a very good point. It was really hard for me to tell what I was saved from. And my pre-Christian, my pre-salvation life and my post-salvation life looked identical. Now, of course, my eternal destination had changed. But my day-to-day life, I, I, I don't remember anything changing. Mm-hmm. But what all changed for me was I met the Holy Spirit in my 20s. And um, I've told the story many times, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but it's such a great story, it's worth telling, because the Holy Spirit changed my life, was I got dragged, really. Well, I got invited, but I kind of went out of spite, really. A friend of mine who was at, uh, I was in university with, she went to a completely different church, a church I would never set foot in, a church probably quite like Grace Center. You know, I'd never been in a church where people danced or raised their hands in worship, and I hate it. 
I hate everything about it. Like these people had flags and banners. I was like, what the heck is this? Like show and tell. <laughs> and what's worse is they were waving their flags and banners in front of the screen where all the words were to the songs I didn't know. And what was worse is they sang the songs over and over and over again. And I was just so furious. I just thought this thing was ridiculous. <laughs> and everyone looked so happy. And of course, I was so cynical in those days. I was like, oh, look at these people, blah, 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 blah. You know, so I'm just super angry. And I think we're just in the most ridiculous place ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't have a car, so I'm waiting for the service to be over for my friends to drive me home. And And I think, God, I don't even know if what I'm in is real. I don't even know if these people believe in jesus right i mean mm-hmm. clearly they did but it was so outside my comfort zone i was just super nervous and i said god i bet you they're going to want to pray for me but i'm i don't want prayer for them but i'll make you this deal if you have them call me out for prayer i'll go forward for prayer and so the singing and the dancing is over and the you know the guy gets up to preach and he's uh he's preaching and he says hey uh does anyone need to be baptized in the holy spirit and so my friends start nudging me like, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I'm thinking, well, I've been baptized mm-hmm. and I have the Holy Spirit, so mm-hmm. yes. And they're like, no, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm like, yes, I've been baptized and I have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, this went around a couple of times and I was like, oh, just go for prayer. So reluctantly, I went out for prayer. And the guy goes to pray for me, but I don't know any of the protocol. Like I have my hands in my pocket. So he just smiles, really kind of mm-hmm. chuckles. He said, take your hands out of your pocket like you're going to receive a gift. And I'm like, whatever floats your boat. You know, so I'm standing there, hard heart, super cynical, thinking these guys are all deceived. And then he prays for me in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me up. And I remember feeling like I was wobbling. Mm-hmm. I thought, is the floor uneven in here? And then I felt like he was pushing me. So I opened my eyes, but he wasn't pushing me. And then the next thing I know, I'd, I'd fallen down on the ground. And I thought, that's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> and then I thought, it didn't work. Because I had always thought that when people fell to the ground, they were not unconscious. And oh, I was... Okay. <laughs> right? And I was right. completely conscious. I was just like, wow, what's polite in these circles? Like, how long do I stay down for? Right. So I just thought, well, I'll just commando crawl back to my seat. So I rolled on my front, commando crawl back to my seat and thought nothing of it. And the guy keeps preaching and then, you know, he stops maybe five, ten minutes later and points at me and says, you, sir, you really need prayer. And I remembered what I'd said to the Lord. So he called me out and he prayed for me. And I thought, you got me once, you're not going to get me again. I'm going to make sure I don't fall over. And before I could work it out, I was on the ground. And this time it worked <laughs> because I was just <laughs> sobbing uncontrollably, just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. Now, I didn't go home at that point, speaking in tongues, seeing angels. You know, I don't think I could appoint it to anything that changed. But when I looked at my life subsequent to that, I can trace back everything changing to that point. Mm -hmm. So I got saved when I was seven. I think I understood what salvation was when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. Well, salvation feels like a journey, doesn't it? It's Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. It comes in in stages. (laughs) Because I would say, you know, for me as well, like I knew my eternal destination changed. But I certainly wouldn't have the understanding that I have now or the relationship or the understanding of the Holy Spirit or anything like that. Right. So it's where you start from. Because this is the amazing thing about salvation is it's a journey home. Mm -hmm. You know, I love Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and others have taught us that, you know, for Jesus to be the way, there must be a destination. Mm -hmm. The destination, of course, is the Father. 
Yeah. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so, you know, starting that process of salvation and then the journey into understanding what salvation is and what it's done for you is incredible. Yeah. And it I don't I don't think it ever looks the same for two any two people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just God is so individual and specific and he knows our needs. And we each have our own story of that romance and how it goes down. We have a friend who was killed in a terrorist attack on our church. She um, was blown up by a bomb that was planted, one of four bombs on our church. And she died, and but then came back to life again. Yeah. And the amazing thing about her is when you're around her, the first, almost the first question she'll ask you when she meets you is, tell me how you met Jesus. Yeah, it's her favorite thing to know. And she just loves hearing she the loves, story. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, you know, I listened to your testimony of how you got saved, and I think, I don't have a very good testimony. You know, you know that stupid thought that goes through the church, I don't have a good testimony. Mm-hmm. Like, like you were wishing you had more trauma in your life that Jesus rescued you from, right. rather than appreciating, you know. Yeah. But me telling my testimony to her was amazing. She just wept all the way through it because mm-hmm. she never had a Christian home to grow up in. So she was listening to it's like, oh, but I love people's salvation stories because you can trace the kindness of God. Yeah. All through their lives. Regardless of what the story is, you can trace the kindness of God. Mm-hmm. Like like what you're saying about, you know, oh, I don't have the same testimony or whatever. Like, I know so many people that their testimony is they got saved when they were really young and they never went off the rails and they still love Jesus and they're in their 30s or 40s or whatever. To me, I mean, that's an awesome testimony. That's the testimony I want my kids to have. Right. You know, that God kept you. That right. the kindness of God kept you. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I think no matter what your story is, it's powerful, and your testimony unlocks things for other people if you'll share it. You know, James Gall was speaking at Grace Center last Sunday, and he said something that really struck me. And he was talking about the Jesus movement in the 60s, mm-hmm. or 70s, sorry. 70s. 70s, beg your pardon. And he was talking about, you know, how the motto was just, you know, one way. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, it's amazing how Christianity today has gotten so you know, we've equipped the church so well, but in the midst of that, there's a danger that we lose sight of the one thing that's important, which is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we can focus on angels and prophecy and dreams and, you know, all this sort of stuff. He said, but Jesus is, and I was like, yes, that, that's absolutely amazing. And I thought, you know, like on our website, for all the training and equipping stuff that we have on our website, we don't actually have anything on our website about how we get saved. Wow. So I was just thinking, oh my gosh. Like, and part of that is because, you know, I think a large portion of our call is reaching Christians for Christ. Right. But actually, you know, I don't want somebody to end up on our website and not find out a way to give their life to Jesus. So here's the thing. If you happen to listen to this podcast and you maybe have been given this episode by a friend who's like, oh, you know what? They were just asking me. Maybe I'll send them this podcast. This would help. Here's what you need to know about salvation, about the the free gift of God, is that God is the kindest person you'll ever meet in your entire mm-hmm. life. And he's crazy about you. And it says in... In the Bible, that he planned all your days before you even lived one of them. It says elsewhere that his plans for you are to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And in short, God is crazy in love with you. He's mad about you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to live with you. He wants to unfold this never-ending story of kindness in your life. That's absolutely his intent and his heart towards you. Unfortunately, the thing that's got in the way between that being a reality for him is sin in the world. And sin is simply described as anything, uh, everything that's wrong with the world is sin. 
So the Bible has a lot to say about sin, but you know, there's the Ten Commandments to start there. So stealing and killing and adultery and cheating and lying and you know coveting coveting things and you know uh, just this mess of stuff. And so wrong thoughts, wrong words, wrong actions, anything that doesn't line up with God's glory standard is sin. And the problem with sin is there's nothing we can do to remove sin. No amount of self-help, no amount of effort, no amount of earnest deeds, no amount of promises, no amount of striving, efforts, religious behavior, charitable work, nothing can remove sin from our lives. And so we're cursed with this sin that, you know, Paul writes about it. Like, even when I want to do good things, I end up doing bad things. Like, you know, that's the problem with the human race. And God looking at that and realizing we were helpless was so desperate for relationship with us that he decided to do something about himself. Mm-hmm. And he decided to come and sacrifice himself to take away the curse that is sin. Now, that sounds just crazy, but... We could go into that a little bit more detail. Basically, the Bible says that the fruit, the penalty, the results, the wages of sin is death. And so someone has to pay for all the wrong that's been done. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus came and he died on a cross. He died a horrible, vicious death, was tortured and murdered so that he could break the power of sin over our lives. And here's the gospel in a very, very succinct manner. That if you believe that Jesus Christ is God and he came to rescue us from sin and that he died on a cross and he rose again, if you believe that message and you believe that by believing in him that you can have eternal life with him and that your sins will be forgiven, that's it. It's it's purely faith-based. So people point and they want evidence and they want reason. And at the end of the day, it's a decision that in your heart you realize, you know what, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I have done wrong things, and I know I cannot change. I can modify my behavior, but it actually doesn't change the desires of my heart. Mm-hmm. Then you're, you've taken the first step. You've realized you need a savior. The second step is to just realize that Christ died for you. And he, you know, if you were the only person in need mm-hmm. of a savior, he would have died for you. And so if you've ever been in debt, you know, crippled by debt, then imagine somebody coming and not only wiping out your debt, but actually giving you an inheritance as well of millions and millions of dollars. That's effectively what Jesus did in the spirit realm. Not only did he pay for all your sin, returning you to a zero balance, he gave you an inheritance. And it's incredible. You get to start this journey with God. And so the second stage is just saying, yeah, Jesus, I believe you did that. And the third stage is doing something about your belief. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Savior of the world, then you will be saved. And what's amazing and what's unique about the Christian faith is all other faiths are an attempt for you to do things to reach God. The Christian faith is a document of what he did to reach you. Right. And you just need to RSVP. You just need to say, Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for me. Would you forgive me my sins? And would you come and um, transform my life by the power of your Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And just like that, you, if you prayed that prayer like that, your life can be transformed. Now, here's what we'd love to do. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we would love to pray for you right now and bless you and pray that the Holy Spirit would come and fill your life. So, Jesus, we ask that you would touch the hearts of everyone who's listening to this.
Yeah. Whether they know you or whether they don't, Lord, that you would begin to move on their heart. You would begin to weary them with your kindness, Lord. You begin to be so kind to them that you wear them down. Thank you, God. Until they can just say, I'm a sinful man. I need you. Like Peter's revelation, the abundance that you want to bring in our lives, Lord, would you come and bring revelation? Would you open eyes, Lord? Would you open our hearts to receive the truth that you are the Messiah, that you are the rescuer of people, you're the rescuer of nations? And Lord, for those of us who've given our heart to you, for those of us who are Christians, Lord, for those of us who've taken on the name of Jesus, Lord, would you come and fill us afresh with your wonderful Holy Spirit? Yeah. Just wherever you are right now, in your car, in a coffee shop, at home, Holy Spirit, would you begin to move, Lord, just through the speakers, through the headphones, and just begin to touch people's hearts? Would you begin to baptize people right now with your wonderful Holy Spirit? Lord, would you have people forward on this message to people? Would there be a chain reaction of salvations and filling of the Holy Spirit? And Lord, we just thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the people that are listening to this right now. May they be changed forever and ever. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I had a funny thought while you were praying the Holy Spirit part. Was it me in a clown hat with a big squeaky nose? You know, it wasn't. Shoes? It wasn't strangely enough. Okay, well, it that was, was fun. that. You know, I know I've talked to several people who listen to our podcast while they're working out, and my thought was if they got hit by the Holy Spirit on like a treadmill or an elliptical machine, it it could be. Father, for those people, it could on make elliptical a great machine, video. Would you just fill them right now? <laughs> would you fill them with your wonderful Holy Spirit? Would you just say fire in the name of Jesus? <laughs> All of a sudden, there's reports of like runners found in ditches. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, babe, we had a listener's question. It was a great oh, question. We also need to tell them about the conference. Oh yeah, we'll do that as our closing thing. Okay. How about that? Okay. Okay. So we had a listener's question. This is a brilliant question. This is from Danielle. She said, "Hey AJ, hey Alan, I lived in Tennessee a few years ago and went to Grace Center and Emanate. While there, I went on an encounter weekend and felt so impacted by the healing weekend. Thank you for that. You're welcome." Actually, we have an encounter weekend just finishing today. Yes, we do. So, great time. Mm-hmm. Since then, I feel that I may be in need of another encounter weekend, but I no longer live in the area. How do you recommend I go about such a thorough experience on my own since I'm not aware of anything similar being offered by a local church? Well, there's uh, there's several outside ministries that, that do things similar to the encounter weekend. So, uh, like Restoring the Foundations, which their website is restoringyourlife.org. Um, or uh, HeartSync is another one that that uh, specializes in inner healing. So if you're just wanting to sort of go after your stuff and say, Lord, you know, I invite you into, to, into the midst of whatever's still causing owies, you know, to deal with that stuff, you could go to either one of those places. I think we're, are we going to release a box set soon of the... We're working on a inner healing resource mm-hmm. teaching, but it's very, very hard. I realized while I was editing the teaching to put the teaching in a remote context. So you ask a brilliant question, is there, is there any way I can go through this stuff on my own? And here's the difficulty is God has deliberately designed the local church to be the context for his outworking. Mm-hmm. And while... I'm not saying I'm not saying this is your heart at all. I'm just flagging this as a as an interesting uh, dynamic in people's lives today. It's amazing how many people want to live the Christian life uh, free of the church or on their own. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty is God made us to need one another. So the very thing we need is found in someone else. So 
you know, part of our problem is how do you make an inner healing resource that's designed to be listened to in a culture and a community, something that you can listen to on your own? Because I do think it's necessary and do think it's needed, but we, we don't have that available yet because I haven't thought about a good way of doing that. Right. But yeah, look at those resources. And I'm sure there's uh, ministers uh, who are in your area who would love to be able to minister to you. And uh, we can't recommend highly enough the journey of inner healing is absolutely incredible. Yeah. AJ Jones, talk to us about the more conferences happening this May 15th to 16th. We are so stinking excited. Stinking excited, I We're tell you. Stinking excited. We have uh, both the Helsers, Jonathan, David, and Melissa Helser, yeah, coming in to lead worship, which if you haven't heard them, you've probably heard their songs, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just amazing, anointed uh, songwriters and worship leaders. So super excited about them coming. And then we also have Graham Cook, who's coming to speak. So it's going to be a fantastic packed two days. And if those names don't mean anything to you, here's, here's the deal, they're Probably, like Jonathan, David, and Melissa are some of the most incredible songwriters. And as AJ said, you're probably singing their songs in their church right now. You might not know that their songs. They wrote some of the um, amazing songs in the new Bethel album. They just got signed to Bethel Worship. And so they're, they're just going to be an absolute treat for sure. We'll put some links in the show notes so you can go watch some of their YouTube videos and catch a feel for who they are. Oh, that's a great idea. And Graham's one of the preeminent uh, charismatic speakers, teachers, prophets uh, in the kingdom today. He's got longevity in the spirit. He's been in prophetic ministry since the 70s. Um, he's originally from England, so he has a wonderful voice to listen to. He now lives in California. Is an amazing teacher, amazing prophet, full of wisdom, full of revelation. Was with us five years ago, Grayson. Mm-hmm. And is humorous. He's just a ball of wisdom. We love Graham to pieces, and so we're really excited he's going to be back. But it's going to be a sold-out conference. We would love you to get in on the action. If you go to musthavemore.com and are quick, you can get tickets for around about $50. Um, but there's only a few of those tickets. The, after that, the price goes up to $60. And after that, the price goes up to $80. So we would love you guys to be in on the action. If you live abroad, you listen to podcasts, you don't live in America, you're not in the Tennessee uh, area, you will be able to watch the conference online. Uh, there's a charge there for each of the sessions. I think it's $10 a session, so you can watch that as well. And uh, we'll make the MP3s available after the conference as well. Uh, but highly recommend that you come. Um, it's it's going to be, be an amazing. amazing time. Yeah, for sure. So yay. So yay, God. Amen. All right, have a great week, people. Mm. Bye. Bye.